2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So today we're starting on our second, sorry, today we're starting on Paul's second letter to Timothy. Um, so we, let's have a little recap. We've just finished 1 Timothy, so we don't need to tell you a whole lot, but it'll just be a bit of a reminder. So Timothy was a missionary mate of Paul's. They'd been to many places, taken the gospel to many towns, but now he's sort of settled into what we today would call being a pastor. So he's basically a pastor in, in the church at Ephesus. Paul, meanwhile, well, this is one of his last letters that Paul ever wrote. Uh, I think Titus might be the final one, but Paul's coming to the end of his life. He knows that his execution is just around the corner and we see this coming through in this letter. And as Paul approaches the end of his life, what he wants Timothy to remember um, and to know about it is the faith that, that Paul has grounded everything that he has done in. Um, or more to the point, who his faith is grounded in. And he's wanting to encourage Timothy and, and us as well to hold on to this same faith. It's the gospel that Paul preached wherever he went. Now, Paul's position and his calling is as that of an apostle. And this isn't something that Paul decided to do off on his own bat. He didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, those apostles, they have a fair bit of power and a fair bit of authority. I reckon I might be one of them. And so he sort of hangs up in a shingle out the front of his house saying, Paul, an apostle. He didn't decide that for himself. He was chosen by God. Um, so it was by the will of God that he became an apostle. But he also says that it's according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Well, now, this might seem like a bit of a strange thing because here Paul is, he knows that his execution is imminent, right? At any moment, he can get the chop. Um, when we get to the end at, at chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race, I've, I've kept the faith. It's like he's saying, good night, she's all over, isn't it? All right. So he knows that his execution is imminent. 
And, and he knows that, that this is his execution is also because of his calling to be a minister for Christ and to preach the gospel. That's why he's getting executed. But Paul knows that, that part of his calling is the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Right? So he's going to die for following Jesus and for preaching the gospel, but that's also his promise of life. And you sort of see this being held in tension um, in chapter 2 when we're going to hear Paul say, if we have died with him, we'll also live with him. Um, and he says, if we endure, we're also going to reign with him. Now, that's powerful words. Um, it's powerful words for those who suffer. Um, and it's powerful words for those who endure in their faith, no matter what the cost. If we, get, if we die, we're going to live with him. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves there. The, the th key thing I want to pick up on here is the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. It is so much bigger than our earthly physical life that we have now. Uh, we know that this life is short. We know that this life is challenging. And sometimes this life can be really troublesome. But our life in Christ is glorious and it's eternal. Righto, so Paul is writing to Timothy. Um, Timothy's like a son to Paul. Uh, he calls him my beloved child. In 1 Timothy, he said, he called him my true child in the faith. And he says to him, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that's nothing new. In every single letter that Paul writes, he, he reminds us of the grace and the mercy and the peace of God. He just keeps doing this. Grace, mercy, and peace. We, we should be reminding each other of these things all the time because this is, this is what our faith is about and this is what God has blessed us with. Um, and my hope is that we would just be sharing this with each other all the time. You know what? If, if, are there any footy fans here? I know there are. Confess up. Yep, footy fan. But you probably call football a different thing, Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you imagine, like, imagine, uh, when was the last state origin? This week just gone? Was it last week? I, get, I lose track. But imagine, like, what happens the day after state origin? Two footy fans get together the next day. What do they talk about? Oh, remember that try that so -so did? I thought, you know, and he just the way he snatched that ball and just... Da -da -da, and you're all excited and you share these things, right? Or don't you? Do footy fans share those sorts of things? Footy fans do. I get sick of hearing them talk about it. If you lose, you don't talk about it. Yeah. Yep. And... Um, but as Christians, we should be much more excited about our Lord than what, as footy fans, we are excited about the footy. And these are the things that we, we should be excited to talk each other, to each other about and remind each other about. And it just gives us joy to share it. And um, as we share and as we fellowship and as we speak with one another, this is, we should be telling each other. You tell me about the way you've experience the grace of God this week or the mercy of God and the peace of God. Right, so let's pick it up at verse 3. Paul gives thanks to God for Timothy. Now, 
In our culture, we, we didn't used to have to think much about this because we talked about God and we were just talking about God. Whereas now people want to know, well, what God? I visited a bloke last week and, and he was really glad that I, that I did pop in and visit him because he doesn't get too many visitors. Um, but, but as we talked, he, he knew that, that I was a pastor of a church, and, but he, he was really keen for me to hear what he believed. And so that's sort of pretty much how he started. And, and his belief, it's a pretty common one. He's not an atheist. Uh, he does believe that there is a God of some kind, but, but to him, it doesn't really matter what we name that God or who we picture that God to be. You know, he said to me, as long as we're nice people, as long as if we do good and don't do too much bad, and why should it matter? Why should God judge me if I'm doing the good things and, and not too many bad things, but why should he just judge me because I don't recognise that he is the God if I just call him by a different name or, or whatever, or if I don't call him any name at all? What, why should that matter? And I said to him, you know, Jesus was asked a question once. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the most important commandment? And he said... You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he said, the second one is, is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. I said to this bloke, I said, sounds to me like you're, you're telling me that we should keep the second part, but what Jesus tells us is the most important part that we don't need to. See, the most important thing is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. And if we're doing that, then we'll love our neighbour as ourselves too. Because if we're loving God, we'll be doing that too. And, and the Lord our God, he is a God who reveals himself. He's not a God of our own making. It's not like I can go, I like to think that God is like, and then, then make up for myself what this God is going to be that I'm going to worship. And nor is it a God where we can just select the one that we want from a smorgasbord. So now we've sort of got, we've got a very big smorgasbord of gods we can choose from and, and we go, well, you know what, that God there, that sort of fits in more with what I believe. No, the God that we worship is the one true God. He's the God of Israel. Paul tells Timothy, he's the God that my ancestors worshipped. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is the God of love. He alone is the God of mercy. This is the God who loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for us so that we might live. There, are no, there is no other God that did that for you. Buddha didn't do that for you. And Allah didn't do that for you. And none of your great ancestors did that for you. This is the God whom Paul serves. This is the God whom we worship. And Paul says that he serves him with a clear conscience. That means there's no ulterior motives to this. In his first letter, he warned Timothy about people who, are, who do have ulterior motives. They're in it for the money. You know. They see godliness as a means of gain. That's not Paul. He serves God with a clear conscience, no ulterior motives. And he prays for Timothy and presumably for the church in Ephesus unceasingly. Now, 
as we get into this first paragraphs, really, um, a key word here is remember. Right? It's important for us to remember. Verse 3, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Verse 4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Verse 6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Right? Now, what's all this remembering about? Is it, is it just Paul having a senior moment? It's like, you know, how, how, how older people, which I've become now, um, have these moments of nostalgia. Oh, back in the day, things were like this. Is this the sort of remembering that he's talking about? With my dad, I think tank sinking were his glory days. So when I was tank sinking, and he'd tell us a regal, a great story about when, when he was building dams. What, what's this about? What's this remembering about? To remember is to return our focus to where it should be. Right? To remember is to return our focus to where it should still be. Paul remembers Timothy, and it reminds him to pray for Timothy. And he says, I remember your tears. Now, I suspect that the tears was, it would have been a very tearful farewell the last time these two blokes were together. They were good mates. They'd been missionaries in so many places. They'd gone through so much. There'd been joys where they've preached the gospel and people have turned their hearts to God. There'd been real lows where they'd preached the gospel and the whole town had basically thrown them out on the ear. They'd been together for so long, but they, they just it would have been so sad when they parted company last time. And Paul would love to see Timothy again. That'd be a joy for him, but, but Paul can't come and visit Timothy. He's locked away in prison. He can't leave. And at the end of the letter, we, we hear Paul saying to Timothy, can you do your best, please, to come and visit me? He just really, really wanted to see Timothy again before he was executed. Even as Christians... Sometimes the situations that we have in our life can seem a pretty dark place. You know, sometimes we, we sort of have the impression that, you know, being a Christian, everything's going to go good from now on. What a load of rot. There's going to be some times when it's going to be really tough for you in your walk as a Christian. And in times like these, it's good to remember. We need to remember the good times that we've had. We need to remember the good relationships that we have. We need to remember the journey that God has led us on. And we need to remember that, that God has been there every step of the way and that we, in the past, we've been able to depend on God every time. He's never let us down. And what this does is it increases our faith, right? So if God has carried us before, he'll carry us again. Will he not? Yeah. And, and it gives us a joyful hope. If we look back and remember the joyful memories that we have and the joyful memories of when God has done things amazing and it's just filled us with joy, we look back and we remember these things, you know what that does? It gives us an, a joyful expectation of the future. 
Not every day is going to be that dark, hard place. And it reminds us we're not alone. As a prisoner for Jesus, Paul at times felt really alone. In fact, we're going to see that coming through in this letter. And there's a couple of spots where he says, oh, so-and-so left me and so-and-so left me. And, and old mate, yeah, he's off doing this. But you can see the sadness. Yeah, I know, I know he needed to go and take the gospel to that place. But he's left me all alone. But he's not actually alone. He says, oh, but, but Luke's still here with me. Imagine that. Luke, that great Christian. Luke's here with me. He's not all alone. But we remember those who have been instrumental in our journey. Right? For you, sometimes you might feel all alone. You are not all alone. Remember those who have been instrumental in your journey with God, been instrumental in bringing you to the faith, in been instrumental in sharing with you as fellow Christians. And reach out to them. There might be some that you've lost contact with. Reach out to them again. Sometimes we just need to do that. And it builds us up. And we experience the joy again. And the thing that Paul most liked to remember about Timothy was his sincere faith. Some some families um, have been blessed with, with what I call a godly heritage. You know what I mean by that? You know how some families, it, it sort of seems to just run in the family line, like great-great-grandpappy, he was a man of a great faith, and, and, he's, and his son, his son carried it on. He was also a man of great faith in God, and, and, and his family were also followed on. You've seen it, haven't you? It's passed down from father to son, mother to daughter, etc., etc., through family lines. And it looks here like Timothy was a third generation Christian, right? And, and one day we're going to get to meet these people. One day you might get to meet Timothy. You might, you'll get to meet his mother Eunice and you'll get to meet his grandmother Lois because these were women of the faith. They loved the Lord and so they're with the Lord now. And so a godly heritage, that's a wonderful thing. And I want to speak to the parents now. That is the best gift that you can give your children, is a godly heritage. You keep on strong in the faith yourself. And you lead your children into the faith. Spend time praying with your children. Demonstrate to your children that this is the most important thing to you. It's good to see you bringing your kids to, to Bush Kids Sunday School and to, to church. This is the best thing that you can do is showing them that your faith and them developing in the faith is the most important hope and dream that you have for them. And so it's a wonderful thing having a godly heritage, but it is of no benefit unless our faith is sincere. Paul says to Timothy here, I am reminded of your sincere faith. And the Greek word there for sincere literally means without hypocrisy. Uh, sometimes as faith gets passed down from generation to generation, 
it evolves more into a family tradition than into a sincere faith. And so the children sort of end up with the attitude, well, this is what our family do. Um, this is how our family behaves. That's our beliefs. That's our ethics. But faith is not faith unless it is sincere. Faith is not faith unless it is without hypocrisy. Now, I want to challenge you today. Is your faith sincere? Or is it more of a family tradition? I'm just in church because that's how I was brought up. Or are you just going through the motions? A sincere faith is evident when godliness is the priority of a person's life. Do you have a sincere faith? Do you truly believe it? Because let me tell you, if you truly believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will trust him with your whole heart and he will be your everything. And when a person's faith is sincere, they will express their faith in service, right? Faith isn't just something we do in our head. It's something we, we carry out with our hands and with our mouth. We express our faith in service. Verse 6 says, for this reason. For what reason? Well, because he's been reminded of Timothy's sincere faith. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, what's this gift of God that he's talking about? Is it the gift of salvation that Timothy received when he first believed in Jesus? Is it a particular spiritual gift that he received? Maybe a gift of teaching or a gift of preaching or a gift of healing or a gift of prophecy or a gift of languages? Or could it be the gift of the Holy Spirit himself, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer? Well, it could be any of those things. Or it could be all of those things. The thing is, it's not a new gift that Timothy needs. It's a rekindling of the old, right? And, and that's actually a better word rather than fan into flame. It's actually a better word is rekindling, rekindling. So, yeah, you know, when you go camping, who here likes to go camping who here used to like to go camping when, before they got so old? Okay, well, that's most of us, not all of us. Um, me, I love camping. My wife, not so much. Um, but, you know, when, on a cold winter's night, that's, that's actually when the best camping happens is when it's cold. And, and, um, and before you go to bed, what do you got to do? You got to stoke up that fire. So you put on a couple of heavy solid logs and you want them to burn all night. And so you put them on and you're laying in your swag beside the fire and, um, and you hope that they're going to burn all night. But almost invariably, you wake up in the morning and you're in your nice, nice warm toasty swag and you look out and it's a bit frosty around there and you look at the fire that was going to be nice and warm for you when you woke up in the morning and it looks like a pile of ashes. But you know that in that fire, there's going to be some coals. 
So you eventually convince yourself to, to get out of your nice warm swag and you go and get a stick and you scratch and yep, there's those coals and you get a few little twigs and you put them on the coals and then a couple of bit bigger sticks on top of it and they smoke and that's about it. You know it'll eventually get going but, but you want to speed it up a bit so you grab your hat and you give it a bit of wave. Things have moved on now. Have you noticed that? Things have moved on. Jake instead grabs his 18-volt blower and goes... And it goes... Like this. It's like he's carrying a portable forge with him and it's just instant raging flames going. And, um, and your fire's going again. Now, this is the image that we're being given here. right? The gift of the Spirit whether it be the joy of our salvation or whether it be a particular spiritual gift that we have or whether it be the indwelling of the Spirit himself. It was once stoked. It was once burning bright. And you look back into, over your life and, and you realise things are not what they once were. I once used to be burning bright for God, but now it's all just burnt down. I've burned backwards. I, I've, I used to be on fire for God, but now I'm just smouldering. I used to be excited for the things of the Spirit, but now I've become a stodgy Christian. I used to love reading God's Word and praying and seeking Him, but now i sort of content to just watch the telly. Or... I used to find a lot of joy in serving God and being active in the church and sharing Christ with others, but it's just not like that anymore. The fire's burned down. I still believe. I still have faith. But the Spirit's fire isn't what it once was in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is anyone sitting here thinking, yeah, Michael, you're talking about me? Anyone? Is anyone humble enough to say, yes, that's me. The fire's gone dull in me. How do you get the Spirit's fire going again? I'll tell you what some folk do. They look for something new. The old way of the fire, that time's passed. We, we need, now need a new fire. There's got to be a new teaching or, or a new special spiritual anointing or a new fancy speaker or, or maybe, maybe I need a whole new church. It must be those people. Those people are holding me back. I need a whole new church and that'll get the Spirit's fire going. But the truth of the matter is, Timothy is being told you already have the gift. It just needs to be rekindled. You don't need something new, Timothy. You need to rekindle the gift that God has given you. And this is true for us. When God has given you the spirit gift, you don't need anything new. You already have the gift. It just needs to be rekindled. Now, if there's something that I've learned about rekindling a fire is it doesn't happen while I'm still rolled up nicely in my swag. That just don't happen. I have to get up 
and get active. I have to move closer to God and I have to get involved in what the Holy Spirit work of God is doing. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 7, he says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Right? The, the spiritual gifts are given for the good of the church. The spiritual gifts are not given for an individual's benefit. Um, they're not given so that, so that I can elevate myself or so that you can elevate yourself. They are given for the building up of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why God gives the gift of his Holy Spirit. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. In, in verse 8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I reckon the biggest hindrance to the gospel is fear. We don't like to think that we're afraid, but we're some of the biggest scaredy cats around. I'm afraid to tell people about Jesus because of what they, they, they mightn't like me anymore. Or, or I'm afraid that I might offend someone. Or I'm afraid that someone will judge me. Or I'm afraid that they'll think that I'm judging them. I'm not judging them, I'm, I'm loving them. Or I'm afraid I might break the law, I might break one of these new novel laws that they're coming up with, hate crime things where I tell somebody about Jesus and that they need him and he's the only way they'll think I'm hating. If God has not given us a spirit of fear, if the spirit is active, we will not be afraid. We won't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. We won't be ashamed of, of Christian leaders like Paul, who because of their witness for Jesus have been ridiculed and have been ostracized and maybe even imprisoned or even executed. During the week, our previous Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has been absolutely lambasted by the media. Have any of you seen that on the news? What happened? was this man dared to preach a sermon in a church. And do you know what outlandish thing he said? He said, we don't trust in governments, we trust in the Lord our God. <laughs> That's our ex-Prime Minister. And he shared that. And they've been so scathing of him. That, why? What's wrong? Well, you as Prime Minister, you used to tell people that they should trust you. And now you're saying, don't trust governments, trust God. I go, I'm, I don't think he would argue. I think he would have said when he was Prime Minister, don't trust in me more than what you trust in God. But here's a man, and he knows full well that every time, because he's in the public eye, every time that he gets up to preach a sermon and to share the gospel, that he's going to be lambasted by the media because of it. Are we ashamed of people like Scott Morrison for doing that? <laughs> we should pray for him. Keep preaching, Scotty. Keep preaching. 
You see, suffering for our faith, it's a normal part of being a disciple of Jesus. Most Christians have the idea that, that the power of God, that's what's going to stop us from suffering, but it's actually the opposite. When the Holy Spirit power of God is active, that's when we will be witnesses for Jesus. And you know what? As soon as you start being a witness for Jesus, the world is not going to like it. And so Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you share with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. By the power of God, we suffer in the gospel. Right? So he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power. And the power that God gives us, it's not so that we can come across and present ourselves as a bunch of superheroes. Oh, look how strong we are. It's so that we, it's a power that enables us to suffer for the faith. It's to suffer for the gospel of Jesus. And the spirit he's given us, it's a spirit of love. We learn a lot about the way that the Holy Spirit and love work together when we're studying uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. The spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the church. Now, rekindling the fire isn't only about building myself up, it's about building up the church. I mean, in Corinth, there was a bunch of individuals there who are so concerned about themselves that this is the sort of stuff they do. They'd turn up for church early and they'd see the communion supplies there, right? There's the bread and there's the wine and they'd gobble it down and they'd drink it all up and they'd get full and drunk uh, before everybody else had even turned up for church. And so when the poorer people arrived later on, there wasn't even anything left for them. And then when they actually were worshipping, somebody would be preaching the gospel and somebody else would just start talking over the top of them. And then somebody else would, would start, well, I'm going to give a prophecy now and start talking over the top of them. And then somebody else would be speaking in, a, in another language that nobody else understood and it would just turn it into a great big rabble. And the people looked at themselves and they were so proud of themselves. Going, wow, look how the Spirit's so alive here. And Paul looked at that church and said, you, you've got no idea got no idea. He said, even if I have the most amazing spiritual gifts and the most amazing faith, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. So the spirit that we have is a spirit of love. It's where we are loving one another. It's not about us building ourselves up. And the spirit he's given us is a spirit of self-control. The Holy Spirit fire refines. It's a, it's a fire that produces godly living, obedience to God, discipline. Um, and, and this shouldn't come as any great surprise. We know that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, Self-control. Just coming through to me here. If my spiritual fire has burned low, 
And now it's just a couple of smoldering coals, maybe on a bed of ashes. Not only is that a disaster for me, it's a disaster for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm not just saying this as, you know, from my perspective, as me as a pastor. I'm, I'm saying this for any person in the church, for any disciple of Jesus. If any person here, if, if their spiritual fire has burned low and is now just a few smouldering coals in a bed of ash, what a disaster that is for you. What a disaster. But it's not only a disaster for you, it's a disaster for the whole church. It's a disaster for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If the spiritual fire that once blazed is now just a couple of coals, it's not only you who is lacking, it's the church who is lacking. It's the gospel that is lacking. Where the Spirit of God is kindled, there is power. Where the Spirit of God is kindled, there is love. Where the Spirit of God is kindled, there's self-control. When it's not kindled, there's a lot of fear. A lot of fear. There's little power. And that equates to a little willingness to be bold for Jesus and to share the gospel in the face of persecution. There's little love and little self-control. So what do we do with that? What do we do with it? Would I be right in assuming, I can sort of usually get a bit of a sense where people are. Would I be right in assuming that most of us are in the position today we're going, I actually think my fire has burned down pretty low. There's just a few coals. Am I right or am I just totally on the wrong path? Some of you say it's right. What do we do? One, remember. Remember sincere faith, what sincere faith is. Remember the joy of salvation, the joy of, of knowing Jesus. Uh, remember that the activity of God and the experience of God that you've had at other times in your life. And remember how the fire of the Holy Spirit has been for you in the past. Remember this. Two, understand that if the Spirit's flame has grown dull in a person, it's not only a problem for that person, it's a deficit for the whole church. The church needs you to be burning bright. God needs you to be burning bright so that his mission can be fulfilled in this world, in this town, in this district. Three, nothing new is required. Right? Usually when you're hearing a message, it's, it's often like, you need something new and that's going to set you on fire. You do not need anything new. God's already given you the gift. What you need is to be rekindled. Number four, rekindle that fire. Love God like you once loved him. 
Serve him like you once did at first. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Stop being ashamed of Jesus. I'm ashamed of the times that I've been ashamed of Jesus. Share the gospel. Love other Christians. And don't be afraid to suffer for Christ. If you are suffering, it's probably because the Holy Spirit is at work through you. Basically, this is about putting God back where he belongs, back into the place of number one in your life. If other things in my life have become a priority that's pushed God back to second, third, fourth, fifth place, that needs to change. God must be number one. Now, I don't, as you know, I don't often do altar calls. But I believe today is a day where the Spirit's fire is to be rekindled. And if it's a day where the Spirit's fire is to be rekindled, that's something that we as a church um, need to embrace together as a church. Is anyone here wanting to say, Michael, that's me. I want to kneel before God today and rekindle that fire, to recommit my heart to Jesus. I want to be as strong for the Lord as I once was. Is anyone willing to put up their hand and say, that's me? G'day, it's Michael here. And, and um, just so I'd let you know, when we had that message together, we, we actually ended up, our, our whole church together, were, went down the back of the church and we gathered around the communion table and, and we all on our knees, every one of us, prayed a prayer, just asking, yeah, I guess recommitting our lives to God and, and just committing to him that we just truly desired to, for our faith to be rekindled and for the gift of God to be rekindled in our lives for us to burn bright. And... Um, for, for anyone that's listening to this, you, you might be in the same position. You're wanting to just give your heart to God again and just say, Lord, I, I want to rekindle the gift that you've given me, um, the gift of salvation, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you've given me. Um, Lord, I, I just want to serve you with the joy and the passion that I once did in the past. And um, let's just pray for that right now, if this is you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for everyone who's listening to this today, uh, for every one of us that, that you've touched our hearts as, as we've studied your word and we've, we've, your Holy Spirit has, has just revealed to us some, probably something that we've known for a long time something that we've just tried to get on with and and not really attend to is that the fire has been dying down and lord lord we know that this isn't this isn't because you've grown dull but simply because we haven't been stoking the fire we haven't been um rekindling the gift that you've given us and lord we ask for, for forgiveness for that 
But Lord, we rededicate our lives to you today. And Lord, I give myself to you. And Lord, I ask that you would renew in me the passion that I once had, that you would renew in me the joy that I once had. I ask that you would renew in me the calling that you've given to me and that that you would rekindle this in us, Lord. Lord, we don't, we don't want to be half-hearted about our faith. We want to be full on for you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would take us, that you would use us for in whichever way that you, that you would use us, Lord. Lord, we just, we don't want you to be taken second place in our life anymore. We just want you to be number one. And, um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to do this. And, Lord, that you would work with us in this, that you would help us to actually take some concrete action so that it isn't just a, a thing that we do in our mind and say, oh, yeah, I recommitted my life to God and then not do anything about it. Lord, I pray that this, that this very first week now after hearing this message and after praying this prayer, Lord, we, we plan to right now make this week coming a different week to, to the week before, that this would be a week where people see a definite change in us. Um, and Lord, we pray that this would not be a temporary change, but this would be, this would be a date that we'd look back to and go, you know what, My, the way that I interacted with God, it really changed that day. And from then on, I've just been, it's just been amazed and, and blessed to know the activity of God because his fire was rekindled and it, and it just hasn't gone dull. Lord, I pray that this would be your story for each one listening to this today. And all the people said, Amen. And so did you notice the message to, to Timothy was, Timothy, you rekindle. So there actually is something up to, up to us here. So as you go out into the world, rekindle the gift of God. Um, God bless you. Amen. <laughs>